You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Buckeye breakdown continues as the Ohio State Buckeyes are now just about one week away from the start of the 2021 season. Glad to have you back with us. Buckeyes now on Sports Illustrated with a Buckeye breakdown podcast. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Andrew Lind. And Andrew, we finally had a chance to talk to the position group that uh, I think a lot of folks have been waiting to hear from uh, for quite a while, certainly throughout training camp. This is a position group in particular that I think has a lot of people's attention because they are as talented as truly anybody in the country. Um, Brian Hartline's got a group at wide receiver that is um, simply kind of ridiculous. And uh, uh, I've called it a couple times an embarrassment of riches. He's, he's got lots of great options and certainly uh, with, with two guys right away, Crystal Lobby and Garrett Wilson that uh, are probably among the best in the country leading that room. I think there's a lot of people expecting big things from this room this year. For sure. And even if you look at beyond Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, there's like you you said, there's there's really an embarrassment of riches. I mean, uh, any school in the country would be happy to have their third string wide receivers, you know, let alone the top two receivers that Ohio State has. Buckeyes have a couple captains in this room in Chris Olave and then Cameron Babb. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that true, you know, deep, uh, real Ohio State fans certainly know who Cameron Babb is. Um, maybe Ohio State fans that are a little more excited seasonally might not know enough about Cameron Babb's story. It might be one of the more inspirational stories we've heard in, in recent, uh, recent memory within the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. This guy's gone through not one, not two, not three, but four ACL tears, two in his left knee, two in his right knee. He was elected captain this year. He feels good. I, I think he's got a chance to contribute. Um, he's, he's not going to be a starter, but that kind of resiliency and, and attitude are all about what this program wants to build itself on. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, you know, when Cameron was going through the, the recruiting process and he, he obviously missed, you know, majority of his junior year and then his senior year again with a knee injury. So it was kind of one of those things that it, it sucked for it to happen, but you saw the resilience that he had in him to continue to to get through that and be one of the best wide receivers in the country at high school. And then, you know, he gets to campus, he, he deals with the, the various knee injuries again. And it's really just a tough break for him. You know, I don't think he's going to contribute this year because when the injury had happened in the spring, you know, that it takes a while for him to come back. So, you know, might maybe toward the end of the year, he'll be able to get in on the field. But, you know, him being named a team captain, like like we've said, is is – so much more about the person that he is and just the leadership that he shows and how everybody looks up to him, despite the fact that, you know, like, like I said, he, he probably won't contribute on the field. So, you know, to have all these guys that we talked to today mention how much, you know, he means to them and how much of an inspiration it is to see him not give up and just continue to, you know, grow as a person and as a leader, like that's really cool to see. Yeah. I think maybe there's an outside chance that he could factor in, but uh, you're right. It's certainly not going to be in a, in a major role on the field. Um, 
And, and fortunately for the Buckeyes, they have a lot of really talented options that they can turn to. Um, let's start with Chris Olave and, and with Garrett Wilson. And eventually after running through these guys, we'll kind of circle back to Brian Hartline. Uh, Chris Olave very easily could have gone to the NFL. He very easily could have. And frankly, he, he would have been a first or second round pick had he decided to, uh, to take his talents to the next level. Um, the thing that I think most impresses me about Chris Olave is his humility. He he's a fairly soft-spoken guy. You know, you can tell that he's he's comfortable in front of the media, but not necessarily his favorite thing to do. Um, but easy to see why his teammates really look at him and say, "Hey, this is how it's supposed to be done. This is a guy that you know does all the right things, take care of his business, and and he's just never a distraction." Yeah, I think that's the main reason that he contributed so early in his career as well. You know, um, having the the pump block against Michigan during his freshman year and then also catching two touchdown passes in that game. You know, it's kind of one of those things he came in as a, as a low four-star, high three-star three recruit. You know, kind of wasn't really mentioned in many circles, but Ohio State really fell in love with his work ethic and, um, you know, the, the type of person he was. So, you know, to keep his head down, continue to, to work hard to get into those positions. And then even when he is, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the country, like he doesn't feel satisfied. And you can just, you see it in the way he talks and just the way he carries himself is that he's never going to like let something get too big for him a moment, you know, just his head, any of those things, like they'll never get too big. It's just, you know, focus on the moment and continue to, to get better every day. I'm glad you brought up the high school recruiting rankings and, and Olave in particular was not ranked all that high. Um, it, it was a common theme within the questions being asked of many of these guys about, you know, hey, you were the number one rated recruit in the country coming out of high school uh, at, at your position or, you know, you were a top 50 or top 100 guy or whatever. Um, and I, I really think this room has done a pretty good job of essentially saying, hey, those were really cool honors when you're in high school. It's a whole different ballgame. And Brian Hartline specifically said that he thinks Ohio State has done a fantastic job of recruiting the right kinds of players for this room. Um, there's a lot of really good, talented athletes and, and guys that have some raw ability that play high school football around the country. But uh, having the right, you know, right kinds of guys that fit mentally and culturally into what you're trying to build, I think, is super important. Um, and when you combine that with some elite ability and some great coaching, you know, you, you typically see good results. And I think that's what's going on here right now in Columbus. Yeah, and you, you, you see that specifically in the way that Julian Fleming talks as well. You know, he's yep. he's the highest highest rated wide receiver that Ohio State has ever signed. You know, obviously I think Ted Ginn would have been higher, but he was a cornerback when by by all the major recruiting services. But you know, it's one of those things he came in and you know, he could have started anywhere in the country as a true freshman, but he came in, dealt with a shoulder injury, and the way he talked today, he said, you know, I was a five-star recruit. I was a high, highly rated prospect, but once I got here, that absolutely meant nothing. And it was interesting to hear him say that just because, you know, there's so many times that, to your point with recruiting the right kind of people, that somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm a, you know, a, a a very good player. Like I, I should be starting right now. Like I should be making an impact. And he basically said, you have to earn that. And you know, it breaks you down the moment that you come to campus, you're on, on a college campus instead of being a high school recruit. Like it, it was, just, it spoke volumes the way that he talked today. 
Mickey Mirati has a way of de-recruiting guys real quickly <laughs> once they get on campus and uh, chiseling away a little bit at that ego and, and kind of bringing them back down to reality. Um, let's talk Garrett Wilson for a second because for as uh, heralded as Chris Olave is and for as outstanding as his career has been so far, um, man, Garrett Wilson is silly good. Uh, makes some incredibly difficult plays look so smooth. Um, and and now that he is in a more prominent role this year, I, I just can't wait to see the way he bursts onto the scene. Yeah, is, I mean, is it a weird question to ask, like, to say, like, he would be, you know, a, a, the top player at, on the team possibly if he did, he wasn't somebody, you know, on Ohio State, if that makes sense. Like, he's just so good, and he didn't have Chris Olave on the team with him as well. He would be getting even more attention. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, continue to, to feature them both and get them both involved. But, like, individually, it's it's crazy to think just the amount of talent that they have. Well, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to start in the slot. You know, Brian Hartline said any of those three guys, Chris, Garrett, and Jackson, can play any of the receiver positions uh, within the offense, inside, outside, wherever they need them to line up. Um, it sounds like Jackson has taken a real, um, you know, real approach into bettering his his blocking during running plays. Um, boy, that's a that's a really neat thing to hear because. You, you kind of tend to hear receivers, coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches talk about how, you know, that can be sort of a, you know, unsung hero type deal. But at Ohio State, if you're a wide receiver, you're expected to be able to block and do it well. Um, I don't think anybody will ever forget Jackson's first touchdown catch of the year last year, which, you know, he tiptoes the back of the end zone. It was originally incomplete. They review it and realize, no, that was actually – that was a ridiculous catch. <laughs> you know, he, he scores um, kind of a cool highlight to start his career. But, boy, uh, a guy that I think has a chance to have a really, really bright season. It was funny to, to hear him talk today. Somebody had asked him, you know, who has the best best hands on the team. And, you know, he, he didn't want to say himself, but then he eventually did. And then someone asked him very right after that who has the best feet, the best feet on the team. He said, well, I don't really want to say this, but it's me. And it makes me like think like it's crazy that you know this kid who maybe wasn't as highly rated as as Julian Fleming, but um, came in and made, made an immediate impact even on a team that that includes you know Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and if he continues to mold his game and be an all around receiver, that's only going to continue to show like on the field. And then you know once Garrett and Chris move move on to the next level, you know he'll obviously step into that same role where you know he's the leader in that group. So Julian, you know, last year didn't have a chance to really shine perhaps as brightly as he was capable of because he was not healthy. Um, mm -hmm. He had a shoulder brace on for most of the season, and and he was kind of explaining today how that really uh, it protected him. He needed it, but it, it really, you know, hurt his mobility. He basically said he couldn't lift his arm higher than, you know, sort of, uh, eye high, and it made it really difficult to go up and try to catch the ball. Um, it's kind of hard to get in the game, especially in meaningful situations, you know, if, if you're that limited. So we didn't see a ton of him last year, but by all accounts now, he's healthy. And Brian Hartline, I believe, said that he's been running like a freight train during training camp. Uh, that's a scary thought. 
Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see him toward the end of the year um, become involved in the offense, like in the Big Ten Championship. He had a couple catches in a row, and then he also forced a fumble on an interception. So he definitely was making, you know, an impact in, in ways other than being, you know, kind of a, a feature part like you would have expected from somebody as highly rated as him. But he mentioned it today as well. Another interesting thing about it is his high school, he actually ran a wing T offense. So, you know, he wasn't somebody who was catching 10, 15 balls a, a game like Jackson maybe was where he at one point was actually the, the all-time leading recept- or all-time leader, leader in yardage um, in Texas history until – um, I believe it's Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma receiver, broke that record. Like It was like two hours later. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things that he wasn't as featured in high school, so he's still kind of learning um, everything about, like, the wide receiver position and, like, the intricacies of it that maybe he wasn't getting at the high school level. And for being that athletic and that talented uh, and to still, you know, still feel like he is learning some things, I, I think is uh, – it's exciting to think about what that future could look like for him. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the future, I, I mean, I have to think that Emeka Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and maybe even Jalen uh, Jaden Ballard are going to get on the field at some point this year. By all accounts, they're just too good not to get into games. You know, when when they see the field, I guess we'll find out. But um, everything we're hearing and, and the few times we've been able to see in camp. Mecca and Marvin in particular, I mean, are just blowing people away. Yeah, and, and like you said, it, it's kind of difficult to project, you know, the the impact that they're going to have on the field just because, you know, like last year, Garrett and, and Chris really never came off the field. As much as you wanted to see maybe other people get involved, they were on the field all the time. And I think obviously with having a full schedule versus a, a condensed, you know, not really knowing – whether you're going to have a game from week to week, those kind of things, you're going to be able to get them more involved in, in non-conference games and blowout conference games and those kind of things. So, you know, it'll, it'll be really cool to see them once they finally get on the field because, like I said, you know, with Fleming and Jackson and then Marvin, Jaden, you know, and even Emeka, like it'll be cool to see the future in those moments. David's got a question here since we're talking wide receiver. Uh, and as an Ohio State alumni from New York City who's enjoying the golden age of Ohio State recruiting, any feel for which way Cornell Tate will decide? Andrew, we, we just talked a little bit the other day, in fact, about uh, Cornell Tate. I know that's a guy the Buckeyes would love to have. Yeah, um, and it, it's actually Cornell Tate. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things, you know, we, we mentioned the other day um, that it will come down really to, to some visits. He took multiple visits to Ohio State during the summer, multiple visits to Notre Dame. You know, his mom, his grandma came on one trip his, with his uncle uh, for one of the one-day trips to, to Ohio State. His dad made the other trip with him. So, you know, he's really, really understood what everything that Ohio State has to offer. And, and I mean, really the same goes for Notre Dame. So, I, I mean, I can't say specifically which way he's leading, leading because – I mean, there, there's definitely positives for both. He's a Chicago kid, so, I mean, he plays at IMG Academy right now. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things, like, really, you know, wherever he sees himself fit the best is what it's going to come down to. David had one more thing to, to throw in here since we were talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. Six or more TDs, and uh, will he emerge as the main wide receiver target for next season once Wilson and Olave are gone to the draft? That's uh, that's an interesting thought. I I'm I'm not sure if he's going to get to six touchdowns. Um, there's only so many plays and so many 
so many things to go around. Um, and and I, I say that not just because of the receiver room, but also I think Ohio State's running back room is as deep this year as it's been in a few seasons because Master Teague and Mayan Williams, and I believe Travion Henderson, a true freshman from Virginia, I think those guys are all going to get some legitimate touches. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if too many Ohio State receivers are going to catch six touchdowns uh, just based on the fact that the ball is going to get spread around. It's not a condemnation of ability. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. could absolutely be one of the leaders in that room next year, even if he doesn't catch six touchdowns. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be hard unless you know the Buckeyes find themselves in high scoring but tight games where they've got to leave you know Olave or Wilson or whomever on the field for a while. It might be difficult for anybody to start racking up some some really silly numbers. Yeah, especially for that you know the second and third team. Um, parts of the offense. I would I mean, I would actually be really surprised if he had, I mean, half of that because, you know, I mean, like you mentioned, the, the running backs room is very deep and very talented. So, you know, in, in garbage time, they'll probably be the ones that are getting a majority of, the, you know, the ball will be going to them a majority of the time. You're going to run the ball, try to run the clock out. And then really, you know, on top of that, you have to factor in the tight ends too. And the tight ends room is actually pretty deep, even though they did lose two players last year in Jake Kaufman and, and Luke Farrell, Farrell, you know, it's kind of one of those things that Jeremy Ruckert is probably going to be the beneficiary of, of a lot of those reds, you know, looks. And then beyond that, you know, Kate Stover, G Scott, um, Joe Royer, like you would expect them to be involved even more, you know, maybe than the third, third or fourth string wide receiver. And I, I think perhaps it's fair to at least just point out up front that, you know, we have plenty of reason to believe in C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord and Jack Miller and whatever combination of quarterbacks the Buckeyes end up going with throughout the course of the year. Certainly Stroud's the starter and, and you know, uh, un until something would, would prevent him from starting, whether it's poor performance or injury or whatever, he's the guy. Um, it certainly sounds like in talking to the receivers today, they feel that CJ has really elevated their room. Brian Hartline uh, said as much as well, but you know, until you go out and do it, you, you got to wait and see exactly what it looks like. And to just assume that as a quarterback, that CJ Stroud is going to do exactly what we saw the last two years from Justin Fields. That might not be a fair measuring stick. He, he very well might be able to do that. And he certainly has the talent around him to put up some gaudy numbers. But I just think we should pump the brakes a little bit on thinking that CJ is suddenly going to just slide right in and do exactly what Fields did the last two years because Justin Fields is a legit, legit talent. And um, maybe CJ can do that. But I, I, I just think we should pump the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, it, it kind of takes me back to when, when Justin first arrived. If, if you remember – there was, there was an ongoing quarterback battle until three weeks into, I think it was the exact same number of practices in, in fall camp 2019 as it took for Ryan Day to name C.J. Stroud the starter in this year's fall camp. So you know, it's kind of one of those things like going into that year, did we expect Justin to have the, the, the kind of season that he had then either? Like, I don't know if that was necessarily the case. So, you know, it's really a matter of, you know, taking what he's doing in practice because they talk about how he's putting the ball on target, you know, that he's leading them how he's supposed to both, you know, in passing and, 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 and leadership itself. 
So, you know, like you said, it's kind of just a matter of putting it on the field. And luckily we'll find that out in eight days. Eight days. That's crazy. We are, uh, we are awfully close to Buckeye football. In fact, training camp is uh, essentially over at this point. And now it's, it's, you know, week one preparations for the Buckeyes. Um, we've had a chance to talk with every position group, I guess, other than the kickers, <laughs> Jesse Murko, uh, who will be Ohio State's punter this year. But, um, you know, we've we've kind of run the gamut now of different position groups. We've talked with coordinators. We've heard from Ryan Day. We've got the quarterback, you know, battle settled. Um, it seems like a good number of the position battles. Everybody kind of feels good about where they're at. By all accounts right now, the Buckeyes feel good about going into the regular season and, and uh, getting ready to start what they hope will be a college football playoff run and, and per, uh, perhaps a national championship berth uh, again in 2022. Any final thoughts on the receivers before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I think really it just comes down to the whole team. You know, they've been going through it's 18 practices at this point. You know, you only have a week left. Uh, before the ball finally is kicked off. And, you know, it's kind of at that point where you can tell they're just ready to get it going. And I think the rest of us, the rest of us are as well. So, you know, it'll be here before we know it. And I think we're ready for it. Thursday night against Minnesota next week, all the fun begins. We've got plenty of coverage coming your way over on BuckeyesNow.com. Ton of great stuff that you'll, uh, we really think you'll enjoy throughout the regular season. Uh, of course, we'll we'll have plenty of video coverage just like this on our YouTube channel. And please subscribe uh, both to YouTube and, and our uh, podcast, Buckeye Breakdown. You can find that wherever you like to find your podcasts. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you again real soon. Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated, your place for Ohio State football coverage.